Then it came about, as soon as Gideon was dead, that the sons of Israel again committed infidelity with the Baals and made Baalbareth their god. So the sons of Israel did not remember the Lord their God, who had saved them from the hands of all their enemies on every side. Nor did they show kindness to the household of Jerubal, that is Gideon, in accordance with all the good that he has done for Israel. <laughs> wow. Mm-mm-mm. Welcome back to the Black Bible. The Black Bible. The Black Bible. The Black Bible. Message and rhythm. Moments in the Bible that make us go, what? God can take an unfavorable situation and turn it. They don't have that type of insight to say, and I'm going to say maturity. Like I said, I will try my best to stall, but it's going to be like, people who know me is going to be written all over my face. Yeah. The church is made of imperfect people trying to serve a perfect Hey guys, welcome back to the Black Bible. And today we are going to talk about Gideon. And more specifically, we're talking about how the people of Israel treated Gideon and his family after Gideon helped them defeat their enemies. Right? I like to call it the aftermath of Gideon. Yeah. But this is before his this is before his the conspiracy with his son, Abilamech, and I, that's what I like to call this period. So before we even talk about Gideon and the aftermath, let's just set uh, a precedence. Let's just set the background, the scene for what's going on here. So Judges is literally about the mercy of God, if I'm wrong. No, you're right. You're right. Because when you, when you read Judges, it's really the, the, the pattern that goes along. It says the people, the people sin against God. Life gets tough. They cry. God says, oh, I'm, all right, let me help you out. They send a judge. Life gets better. And then they go and sin again. Mm-hmm. And the cycle repeats itself. And I think the best chapter and verses that summarizes what happened in Judges is chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. And it says, they abandoned the Lord to serve Baal and the images of Asherah. This made the Lord burn with anger against Israel. So he handed them over to raiders who stole their possessions. He turned them over to their enemies all around, and they were no longer able to resist them. Every time Israel went out to battle, the Lord fought against them, causing them to be defeated, just as he had warned. And the people were in great distress. I mean, they knew better. And yet still chose not to do better. Right. That's the point. I think that's the problem Israel had in Judges. And even when you read further down, the writer of Judges starts to say, and Israel had no king and everybody did what they wanted to do. And everybody did what was right in their own sight. So Israel is having a problem with obeying God. And these judges come about to help correct Israel, to help free them from their captors, um, and help correct them and bring them back towards God. And so Gideon was one of the judges that one of the judges that were that was just mentioned. And so, and the thing I like about Gideon is how his willingness that he obeyed God. Like I know Gideon must have been scared because the Midianite army 
if I remember correctly from reading Judges, was a big army. Yeah. And God had moved in such a way that God had only gave Gideon only 300 men to fight. Right. So I know Gideon must have been, he must have been scared. But I do remember that one of the things that happened was that God directed Gideon to go into the enemy's camp. And by overhearing a dream that one of the enemy soldiers had, his friend was like, oh, that means that basically um, we're going to fall into the hands of Gideon. Again, correct me if I'm wrong. No, you're right. You're right. So, and I know that was kind of what put, you know, sails in Gideon's wind, wind in Gideon's sails <laughs> and kind of pushed him along to be like, you know what, 300, three, it may only be 300 of us, but we got God on our side. So let's get this done. Let's free our people from Midian. And so you could read it for yourself, I believe, is Judges. The whole story of Gideon ranges from Judges 6 to 8. If you want to read afterwards with Gideon's son of Bilimet, that's Judges 6 to 9. But the thing about, again, the moment that has me going, like, it's not even really, like, what? But it's more like, mm, mm-hmm. this week. Because I know we do moments in the Bible that make us go, what? But nah, there's moments in the Bible that makes me go, mm, this week. Because... <laughs> It's just something, it's just something that, and again, it did say in the, it did say in Judges 2 mm-hmm. that when the judge died, the people of Israel went back to doing what they were already doing. Right. It did say that in Judges 2, if you read further down. And it was not unexpected that when Gideon died, you know, when, when Gideon, I, I just said it, when Gideon died, that the people of Israel went back to worshiping false, no, no, false idols, false gods. Mm-hmm. But what gets me just like, mm, is how they just completely just neglected the fact that, you know, Gideon, like this man, mm-hmm. had had delivered them mm-hmm. from oppression from, of the Midianites, of the Midianites, of Midian, I think they were called the Midianites, again, correct me if I'm wrong. And they just completely said, yeah, that's nice, but he's dead. So, forget him and forget his 70 kids because Gideon had, Gideon was very prosperous in the, in the children. Yeah, he had, he He had 70 kids, which is crazy, but. 70 sons. Yeah. 70 sons. It doesn't say how much daughters he had, but he had 70 70 sons. sons. Right, 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 right. So, just 70 sons alone, unless God just blessed him with sons back to back to back, there's also some daughters mixed up in that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Gideon had a, Gideon had a lot of kids. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, okay, you know, well, forget Gideon and forget his kids. Mm -hmm. He's dead. Matter of fact, matter of fact, only reason why we worship God was because the God that rescued us was the same God that Gideon was serving. Mm. And now that Gideon is dead, and, and, and again, this is not stated in the Bible, but I could just imagine the mindset of the children of Israel. Mm. Now that Gideon is dead, we don't necessarily have to worship that same God, you know, and forget his children too. And I'm just like, hmm, because it, it just doesn't, I guess it's just one thing that doesn't sit right with me like yes you know the children of israel were in a cycle of sin yeah like you know they were in a cycle of sin and it it took a godly judge to break that cycle but not even permanently because even if you read in the bible whenever there wasn't a godly judge i believe this was after israel i believe this was after the split between um israel has split into judah and Israel, yeah. So um, even after there wasn't a king, so when you get into um, kings, Israel had split. Um, there was north, basically, I call it North Israel and South Israel. So right. it's Israel and Judah. So and yeah, Judah, right. So whenever there wasn't a godly king in Israel, because Judah had 
a lot more godly kings than Israel. Mm. I can't even remember if there was a godly king in Israel at that time. But whenever there wasn't a godly king, the people of the people fell back into idol worship. Yeah. But I guess what doesn't sit right for me is just that this person yeah. who God had used, who had delivered you guys, who had freed you guys from oppression, and by that and by that freedom brought on forty years of peace. Yeah. You just completely just tossed them tossed them aside. Like you, and not only tossed them aside, but you don't even, they didn't even go and take care of his family. No. They just left his family to the dogs. I think the part of the story that really gets me like, mm, this week is that his own son tried to kill off his half brothers. Yeah. And so, and he did it for power, you know? And I think maybe if, the people of Shechem, I think that's where he, Shechem, I think that's where Gideon was from, um, where he, he landed up in. If they had taken care of Gideon and his family, maybe this son wouldn't feel like, I need to rule over these people. Right. Because then the son just gets this idea, like, I want to be king, and, you know, decides, I'm going to kill off all 70 of my half-brothers, or 69, and only one of them survives to tell the tale that, you know what, God is not going to be pleased and all y'all going to be striked down. And a man that you thought is going to be your king, he's going to end up hurting and killing most of y'all. Right. You know? And so I think that's the part that gets me like, mm, like, will you really would do that to your own 70 brothers? And even though he was born of a concubine, like these are still your half brothers. Your father was still Gideon. I mean, it, it, he should have been, they, like you said, they should have been taken care of because, he basically, he basically, with the help of God, helped these people get rid of the Midianites. Mm. And so I think, again, I think the the story of Gideon is kind of sort of a reflection of what, you know, what goes on, what happens today. Yeah. And I like to think that, you know, on top of God putting um, the story of Gideon or allowing the writer of Judges and the person who collected the books of the Bible and put it all into what we know today, that the reason why Gideon was included was not only to, you know, show how, you know, show how deep the cycle ran for Israel, right. but also to kind of show like, you know what, there's going to be times where God's going to use you mm-hmm. to help somebody mm-hmm. or help a group of people. And when your work is done, like, that's it. If if that makes any sense. It makes sense. Whereas just that those people, you know, I won't say that that person will not be ungrateful for your help. Mm -hmm. Nor would I say those people will be ungrateful for your help. But if we go according to what happened to Gideon, and Mm -hmm. it wasn't until after Gideon had died that they basically said, you know what, bump Gideon and bump his children. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that's kind of like today. But yeah, I'm trying to pull my thoughts together as I talk. It's okay. But for me, like reading that, it kind of the makes it kind of shows me that today, like you don't even have to die for people to be like, you know what, bump, bump you and bump your children. Like I know you helped me, but we know I no longer need your help. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense, so it kind of it kind of seems like the story of Gideon for me is kind of sort of like a reflection of what can happen, what can happen today when God uses you to help somebody. And it's kind of true, you know, like, I think what people need to understand is that when God chooses you to 
when God chooses you to help somebody, they might not be, I'm not going to say happy, but thankful that you helped them. And it's okay if they're not thankful. I think as long as you do what you're supposed to do, then as long as you do what God has told you to do, then you're in the clear. Because I think God knew that Israel was going to go back into the same old, same old pattern. He knew that. And God knew that Gideon and his family would be forgotten about after Gideon had died. But that wasn't the point. You know, the point was God had chose Gideon to to free his people from the Midianites. And Gideon was from Ophrah, right? Not from Shechem. So God has chose him to free his people and free his town from the Midianites. And they were grateful for a time. But after he died, they went back to the same old, same old. So it's, it's, if people are, if you are led to help somebody, they might be grateful in your face as long as you're there with them, but you might turn around and they might be ungrateful or they might go back to the same old, same old. That doesn't mean that what you did was null and void. It just means that God had used you for a moment in a season and it could have just been them you being used to help them was strengthening you right so another thing that and i know you don't want to talk about the aftermath of gideon but another thing that i think is kind of sort of important to back to backtrack before mm-hmm. gideon's death is the um is another point that i want to bring up is that sometimes god will use you and people won't be happy yeah and true. the reason why i bring this up is because when you know, when he went up against Midian and basically the commanders, either it was the commanders or kings of Midian, again, mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, but was running away, then like the, the people of Ephraim came up and said, you know, why didn't you call us for battle? Right. Like you did, they said like, you know, why didn't you come? Why didn't you come and get us? And the people of Ephraim were very heated. And like, of course, Gideon had talked them down and managed to avoid an altercation with his own people, his own people. Mm-hmm. But... That kind of, again, shows me that sometimes God will use you to do something and it works out. It may be for the whole betterment for your community, even, or maybe even the area that you're, your community or your state or even your church home. Right. And some people, they won't be happy. They, they just, they'll be, they'll kind of be like, okay, yes, I know God called you to do this, but why aren't you also calling me to help? I have a question then. What do you do? And I and I think that I know the answer, but what do you do when people aren't happy that God has called you to do something? What do you do? Me personally, because I have the mentality of live peaceably with all men. Right. Like I have the mentality of if you don't have to fight, if you don't have to fight with anybody, mm-hmm. then you just avoid fighting where you can because mm-hmm. uh, I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more I realize that it, it costs too much energy to be angry. True. And it costs too much energy to be fighting with people and holding grudges against people. It's just too much energy. True. So, but in that case, it's kind of just like, you know, you just have to talk to them. Mm-hmm. Like they may get up in your face. They may be spitting words on your back. They may be slandering your name, dragging your name through the mud. But before you even talk to them, you pray. Right. And you say, God, you don't even have to explain the situation. Say, God, you see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, direct me to and lead me not to stoop to this person's level, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. It like, does. Help me not to not to resort to what they're doing. 
and then B, if it's still going on, and if you think that you are strong enough, because I know me personally that I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. I can't go talk to somebody who's dragging my name through the mud because if they start getting in my face, I lose my Jesus. <laughs> I lose my Jesus real quick. But also, I believe that you should talk to them. You should say, like, you know what? I know what you're doing, and can you please stop? Mm-hmm. And if they still decide to continue dragging your name through the mud all because of what something that God has called you to do, mm-hmm. then at that point, you tune them out, you put on your blinders, and you keep pushing forward. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if this is what God has called you to do, and you know for a fact this is what he called you to do, then let the people talk. Because at the end of the day, they're going to eat their own words anyway, whether they stop talking about you when you ask them to, or when they realize that this person was really called by God, and by speaking against you, they're speaking against God. So, Another question, because I, I totally agree. Another question I think before we go on with this, do you think that people do that because they are A, intimidated, and or B, jealous that God is using you and not them? Yeah. I think most definitely like well, and I just want to preface this with I don't have much experience mm-hmm. in that if God has called me for something, mm-hmm. I don't hear what people are saying behind my back. Because I won't say I don't put myself in that situation, but the way I live my life is kind of just like, okay, I'm in my own I'm in my own circle, my mm-hmm. own bubble, mm-hmm. and I have the people who are close to me, mm-hmm. and then there's everybody else. Mm-hmm. So really and truly, like, I would have to be walking by someone. And of course, my circle would tell me, you know, this person said this about you, mm-hmm. and to which I would reply with, that's their problem, mm-hmm. not mine. Mm-hmm. Wow. But I do believe that sometimes it's done out of, like you said, sometimes it's done because they're intimidated of you. Sometimes they're jealous and they're jealous of you. And and again, from my personal belief, is that most of the times that they are jealous mm-hmm. and that they see God using you for this thing and they see God working through you and they see people getting helped, people getting saved, or they may see, you know, someone who was deemed that they wrote off that all of a sudden they come back to church and they're 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 even a more powerful force in the ministry Mm -hmm. all because of what god had done through you Mm -hmm. and they're like okay god why couldn't you have chosen me to do it because i think the one reason why is because they want the praise and accolades from their peers Mm -hmm. i think that's why Mm -hmm. because Yes, like, you know, but as as humans, like, it feels good when someone pats us on the back and say, yeah, you did good. Yeah. Like, it, it's, it's not, it's, it's nothing wrong on getting praise for something you've accomplished. Mm-hmm. But that shouldn't, but in the kingdom of God, that shouldn't be the reason why you do things. Right, right. Like, you shouldn't do things for, for awards. You shouldn't do things for the pastor to shout you out from the podium. Mm -hmm. You should do it because God called you to do it and you want to do it. Right. Like praise and accolades and another, and rewards, whether it be monetary, whether it be, whether it be materialistic, a materialistic reward, like Mm -hmm. a plaque, Mm -hmm. like rewards and, and stuff like that should come secondary. Or matter of fact, that shouldn't even be in your mind. And yes, I know as, humans and even i find myself falling into it sometimes it's just like okay i've been doing this thing you know can i get some compensation can i get a pat on the back but then i have to catch myself right and say that you know what i'm not doing this for money i'm not doing this for awards i'm not doing this for praise Uh i'm doing this so god will get the glory and whatever fall whatever trickles down 
from God getting the glory, should God decide to bless me, then he'll bless me. If he doesn't bless me, then I'm still going to do what I, I'm still going to do what I've been called to do because that's what I've been called to do. And I enjoy doing what I've been called to do. So I think at the end of the day, it's, it's a thing of, it's a thing of glory. They want their moment in the spotlight. They want their moment in the sun. And so they're like, wow, God, you couldn't use me for, you couldn't use me for that. You had to use them. Like them who, in their mind, them who are less qualified than me, mm. them who hasn't been in the church as long as me, mm. them who I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a deacon, I'm an evangelist, I'm a minister, and they're just a church going. Mm. Like you had to use them instead of me. But the reason why God didn't use you is because He knew that you are you want do you weren't going to do it for the right reason. Mm. You were going to do it because you wanted the glory that 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 tr- the glory that would have came from you doing that. And all glory doesn't belong to man, it belongs to God. Mm. That's why God didn't use you. Or that's why God didn't use that person. That is so true. There's a lot of people that feel like, you know, well, God should have used me. They shouldn't have used them. But God knows why they didn't use you. You know, and the the part that you said, like, I'm more qualified, that hit me so hard. That hit me so hard. Because when you talked about Gideon, Gideon felt so underqualified. For this job. And I'm pretty sure there were other people who were more qualified. But God chose Gideon because he knew that the glory that would come from this would be to God and not to Gideon. Like Gideon might be, you know, honored and 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 revered, but all glory would have went back to God. And that's so that hit me so hard with the qualifications because there's so many people who are out there not doing what God has said they're supposed to do because they're un they, they feel, feel underqualified yeah. and there are people who told them that you're not qualified to do that mm-hmm. you shouldn't you know you know you shouldn't be telling people about you shouldn't be sharing the good news you shouldn't be doing this you shouldn't be doing that you have no type of qualifications and it's so crazy to me because the disciples were the most underqualified people to begin with peter was a fisherman (laughs) what fisher fisherman one of them matthew was a tax person wasn't he i believe so and ain't nobody like the tax people we don't even like the tax people today (laughs) (laughs) like it and then judas iscariot we don't talk about him much but judas Judas loved money. They were the most underqualified bunch, but they had Jesus. Which is the most important part of this whole entire thing. Gideon was super underqualified, but God was on his side. And so that that part about being underqualified and people saying that, oh, I'm more qualified than, than this other person hit me so hard because qualifications is not what's important. Because I think somebody says, God doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the call, you mm-hmm. know? And so like, you might feel like, you know, I can't do this because I don't have this type of credentials or I haven't been in church this long. But if you really are pursuing God and God has called you to do something, man, do it, yo. That's just the bottom line. Let's do it. Cause like, and you might have some, uh, reservations like Gideon, you know, Gideon started off with all these people and he said, God, if you're in it, show me. And God said something else. And, and Gideon was like, okay, God, if you're in it, do something else. Do something else. And God did something else. And he said, God, if you're in it, do something else. <laughs> and God did something else. You might be 
timid or you might be apprehensive like Gideon was and you want God, you want to make sure that God was, is with you every step of the way. But I'd rather a person do that than they be pigheaded, I think the word is, or they have a big head and they're like, oh, I'm going to just do it and and make things fall apart because they never consulted God or they 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 feel like they're bigger than any, everybody else and they make people feel small and mm. that that doesn't draw people to Christ Thank that doesn't it pushes them away, pushes them away. yeah it pushes them away from Christ so i i just think that when we talk about you know people being jealous cuz i think the i think the people at Ephraim were just like they weren't in it they didn't want Gideon to call them because they wanted to help. Right. They wanted the spoils of war. That's what I think. They wanted the glory. They wanted people to say, oh, you know, the men of Ephraim, they came and helped Gideon. And if it wasn't for the men of Ephraim, this would have been went south, you know? <laughs> so it's just it's just crazy in that sense. And the one thing that even the devotion that I read this morning is that God loves using the underdog. Yep. Like God loves using... In my honest opinion, God loves using the people that other people wouldn't have expected God to use. Yep. Like, and that's the whole thing is that no one expected Gideon, which came from a small town, a small, a small family, a small town. Because mm-hmm. he even says to the people of Ephraim, like, if I could, if I could quickly look at it mm-hmm. in Judges eight verse um. In Judges 8, verse 2, he says, But Gideon replied after they came to Gideon and said, Why didn't you call us? What have I accomplished compared to you? Are even the leftover grapes of Ephraim harvest better than the entire crop of my little clan of Albezer? So even Gideon knew that, you know, like, his clan was so small that Mm -hmm. the leftover grapes of Ephraim harvest, Mm -hmm. like, those grapes alone are greater than anything that his clan could bring together. Right. So... Even looking at the story of Gideon, God used this under, like you said, underqualified person, and God used three hundred men, the underdogs, to topple a, a vast army and bring four hundred, not four hundred, but forty years of rest for the people of Israel. So God loves using the underdog. He likes using the underdog back then, and he likes using the underdog now. So, like, whether you feel as if you're underqualified, whether you are underqualified. Whether you have people talking in your ear saying that, you know what, you can't do this because X, Y, Z, A, B, C. You Hmm. can't do this because you haven't been in ministry long enough. You can't do this because you're not an elder. You can't do this because of whatever reason. And you know that within your heart, God has called you to do it. Then, like I said, tune those people out. Tune Tune those people out. Put on your blinders and just go. Because the one thing I know is that if God is with you, then... And you've been called to do this and God is with you, then you cannot fail if you trust in God and just go. Yeah. And I think that's the whole point about this is that Gideon didn't go in his own strength. You know, Gideon went with instructions from God. And so, again, I feel like uh, I don't know why this whole thing about being qualified just really stuck with me. But like it sticks with me so much because I, I understand I understand how it feels to be underqualified. Like you feel like, you know, I'm not good enough for this. I understand how it feels to feel like, you know, there's somebody out there who could do this much better than I can. And so in order for me to get, I had to get over that, you know, get over that 
I'm not good enough. I'm not qualified. I can't do this. And just get, let God be God and just tune out all those. And it's not just like the people on the outside. It's also your own self, you know, Mm -hmm. telling your own self that you can't do that. You know, there's somebody out there who's better than that. You look at you, you know, like you're super underqualified. You don't even know what you're doing. And that's so, it is so, it's something that plagues, it plagues a lot of people, not even just in Christendom, but just in life, you know, it's called that, I think it's called the imposter syndrome, where you have the skills, but you're like, man, no, I can't do that. I can't, can't, uh, there's no way I could do it, like X, Y, and Z. And you're not an imposter, like, you're not, you're not underqualified, you 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 have everything. If you have Jesus, then you have everything that you need to get this job done. If God has called you to do it, if you have God, you have everything that you need. You might say, like, I don't have the money. But if you have God, the money will come. Right. Like, I don't have the manpower. If you have God, the, the manpower, manpower will come. come. Like, all you have to do is start to do what God has told you to do. And then you'll see other things fall in place. I'm not saying that it's going to be easy, but it's going to take it's God being the center of this the center of what you're doing well everything else will fall into place and so i know we didn't get to the aftermath which the aftermath is not pretty because again you talk about abimelech and his own son killing off his half brothers and then god judging them but it's a story that everybody should read you know judges was six through nine i believe six through eight and then six six through nine nine. like i would even read i would read six through nine because the aftermath just goes to show that you know if god is not in it then it's not going to work out properly with gideon god was in it so it worked out in his favor but when you read about his son abimelech god was not in what he did and god was not pleased and so he killed people and the people killed him. So it's a, it's a, it's something that we all got to recognize, you know, but the story of Gideon lets you know that if you are an underdog, then God, and you're doing what God has called you to do. God got, God has you and don't be afraid of doing what God has called you to do. You're not underqualified. You're the right person for the job. God doesn't call God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. So thank you again for tuning in to our session of moments in the Bible that make us go, what? Well, this week it was moments in the Bible that make us go, hmm. And we'll see you next week.